So we're going to get started with this message, um, and you can open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. For those of you who are no, new to the Bible, it's in the New Testament. If you're new to the Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. I don't know if you know this, we have a weekly Bible study, and it happens every Sunday at 9, 10, 30, 12, 30, and 7 p.m., and I lead it. And I would love to do this Bible study with you every time. And I have to say that because there's so many Christians, we need to start a Bible study. You need to start going to the Bible study that I do every single Sunday and bring your Bible and open it and learn with me because you guys are learning from each other and half of y'all don't even know Greek, Hebrew, historic context, authorial intention. (laughs) So let's start our Bible study together. Are you with me? Okay, the other thing is we're in a series entitled I Have Decided, and I love, 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 love to, to the month of November. It's a special month for our church because we always go back into the roots of who we are. And so did you know that the, that the term V1 is an aviation term that pilots use the very moment the airplane lifts off of the runway and they say V1, it's a velocity speed and it means no turning back. It means I have decided. As a matter of fact, and I don't want to freak you out anymore for those of you who are scared to fly, but the pilots take their hands off the, the, the yoke of the plane when they say, so the very moment your plane takes off, the pilot takes their hands off the, the controls. Did you know that? Yeah. Some of y'all need to learn how to take that, your hands off the controls of your life and say, no turning back. I have decided this baby's going to fly. Somebody on my creative team needs to put that timer on so I actually know how long I've got because it's stuck at 30 minutes. And if you guys don't do something, I'll preach two hours. So I'm looking at it right now. And, it, and I don't know if this is a divine act of God, but it's just stuck at 30. And I'm like, praise God. Ain't nobody going to be mad at Papa Six today. It's y'all fault. And then if you can't get it going, I'll just watch my watch. So let me know because nothing's changed yet. Love you guys. Um, We also get kicked out of the movie theater in Miami if I don't stop. So uh, there's some practicalities here. All right, so we're gonna talk about going V1, what it means to make a decision. And most of you in your life, you do what you don't wanna do and what you don't wanna do, you do. Can I get an amen? And there's something about your will your decision maker that needs to be worked on this entire month. Let's not wait till, let's not wait till January. Let's not jump on the new year, new me trends. Can we start in November before the pumpkin pie rolls out for Thanksgiving? Before, (laughs) no, nobody amen on that. And so we, we oftentimes do the things we don't want to do. There's something broken in our will. And here's the good news. I'm just going to start with this promotion is coming to you. The Lord desires to promote you. The Lord is trying to promote you. The Lord wants to promote you. The matter of fact, you promoted biologically because you're not a baby anymore. You had a thing called puberty. It was a promotion. And, and some of you, your, lo- your arms were so long, your knuckles dragged on the ground and your neck was all weird. And you know, you had acne. Some of you, we still haven't grown out of it. I had a breakout the other day. I was like, I'm too old for this. I'm bald, but I still got acne. What in the world? 
So biologically, there's an irrevocable promotion called growth. But in the spiritual realm, growth is a choice. And the Lord wants you to graduate, but you have to want to graduate. And the Lord told me that graduation is coming to many of his children, but I need to tell them what happens before promotion. But before I tell you that, can I tell you how promotion is actually, y'all, can I just teach? Can I tell you how promotion is defined by God? Because you're defining it financially. Some of you, when I said promotion, you said, look what the Lord has done. 2023 Toyota Camry with leather seats. (laughs) You define promotion financially. You know, and as soon as I said it, you were like, two-bedroom apartment in the sky. <laughs> the New Yorkers. <laughs> in the sky. <laughs> Each one of my kids is getting their own room in this next season. And it's not the living room. <laughs> Some of you, when I say promotion, you think relationship, you know, And the single people are like, he's got muscles, he's got hair, he's not like Pastor Mike. (laughs) I'm I'm about to embarrass myself. (laughs) Well, you know, however you define promotion. Now, the Bible says that we will prosper even as our soul prospers. So what happens is when you learn how to turn a house into a home, it's because your soul prosper and then God can change your address. When you learn how to change your house into a habitation of the Holy Spirit, then it becomes a home for him and then he can change your address. When you realize how to steward your single season and how to remain pure, then God will graduate you into a covenantal relationship of marriage where you also have to be pure. Oh, no, nobody clapping on that one. Nobody clapping on that one. What makes you think you could be impure single and you're going to be pure married? And so promotion is, is actually defined as prosper even as your soul prospers. And so God wants to do something in your soul. Pastor Mike, what is my soul? Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. So let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Watch this. But we all... A-L-L, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image. Somebody say, same image. From glory to glory. Somebody say, from glory to glory. Just as the Spirit of the Lord. Okay, this is going to blow your mind. Success as defined by the kingdom is you beholding God's presence and becoming more like Jesus. Oh, see, like nobody shouted. (laughs) Success as defined by the kingdom is you behold his glory and you become more and more like him. And the most successful Christian is the one who's become the most like Christ. 
And the least successful Christian is the one who's the least like Christ. And so it says we are transformed into the same image from glory to glory. The goal is that when people interact with you, they say, I know they're not Jesus, but I could imagine it would be like what it would be like being around Jesus. And see, what'll happen is when you get into that realm of of transformation, then the blessings will chase you down. Instead of you chasing the blessings, blessing will chase you down because the world of the generous gets larger and larger and the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Hey, is there any way for our team to actually uh, stop the disco ball from rotating while it's just my ADHD, but I'm watching it go around the room and I'm like, do we get up and dance right now? Uh, you know what I mean? And some of y'all are looking at me like you want to dance with me right now, which is even weirder. <laughs> I'm super distracted. I hate, I hate not having a building. Mary, can you prophesy a building for us? Okay. If you can't stop the, ro- the large six foot rotating disco ball, These are like the early days, the good old days. So (laughs) promotion (laughs) is you becoming more like Jesus. There was a man named Joseph. Joseph was backstabbed by his brothers, thrown into a well. They took his coat off of him, the coat of many colors that they didn't like him having, splashed blood on it, and went back to dad and said, dad, he got viciously attacked and murdered by an animal and drug off, and we don't know where he's at. Then at the conclusion of Joseph's story that we have recorded in Genesis, he is second in command over Egypt during a famine, the distributor of seed. And when his brothers come walking up, his response to his brothers is not, go grab the guards, execute these men. They tried to kill me, so I'm gonna kill them. His message to them was, what you meant for my harm, God has turned it around for my good, and I will be a blessing to you even though you are a curse upon me. And so what if I told you some of you have not gotten promoted yet because God doesn't trust you not to enact vengeance if he makes you powerful? Will you remain sweet when you have every reason to be bitter. See, you did forgiveness to get deliverance, but will you do forgiveness to get promotion now? Y'all, I'm trying to help somebody. If the person who hurts you walked through those doors right now, could you hand them a cup of coffee on the coffee team? Or would you throw it in their face? Some of you are having a visceral response right now. Please, Pastor Mike, stop it as you will prosper as your soul prospers. And if there's something in your soul that can't bless those who curse you, why would God elevate you so that more people can curse you? Oh, I'm speaking today. I'm speaking today. I wanna show you something in scripture. There are two domains in the spiritual realm, up and down. It's very simple. Enoch walked with God. 
This is Genesis chapter five, verse 24. He walked with God. He was close with God. In the time where many people walked away from God and didn't know God, Enoch walked with God and guess what happened? He vanished, he disappeared, he went up. So that's Genesis chapter five, verse 24. There's another man in 2 Kings chapter two, verse 11, named Elijah. Elijah walked with God. Elijah went on assignments for God. He, Elijah was threatened by Jezebel. He wasn't even accepted or embraced by the governmental leadership of the day. And then let me tell you something else about Elijah, because some of you, you, you don't even know the backstory. As a prophet, Elijah was surrounded by what the Bible literally calls foolish or silly prophets. They were morons. Can I say that on stage? Dimwits. I like that one. And so even the people who were prophetic in Elijah's time did not understand Elijah. And matter of fact, he walked so closely with God that he went, where did he go? He went up. He went up in a chariot of fire. Matter of fact, and this is just a funny side note, when you read that story biblically, and again, you're in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 11, when he goes up, the, the, the prophets who didn't understand what God was doing literally went up into the mountains searching for him. They didn't even have a revelation of where he went. They thought that he just got transported up on a mountain. And so what, what is the revelation of that? The revelation of that is many of you will be misunderstood even among other prophetic people. Oh, I'm speaking right now. Some of you will go into a realm that the Lord wants to take you to and other, that's why you came to V1 Church because you attended a church where they said they were prophetic but they were actually pathetic. They said that they heard the word of the Lord but they actually only heard their own preferences. Oh, y'all, let me stop. And so if you're like Enoch, you're gonna go up. If you're like Elijah, you're gonna go up. Jesus in Acts chapter one, verse nine, it says, and when he had said these things, they were looking on him, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. So Enoch walks so closely with God, he goes up. Elijah walks so closely with God, he goes up. Jesus walks so closely, he is God and he's walking with God, the trying nature of God. And after he completes his assignment, he goes up. And then when, when, oh, come on, somebody. Then when Jesus returns to ransom his church, where are we going? We are caught up in a twinkling of an eye. And so if you are a true believer, your destination is up, not down. God wants to take you higher. And there's something about this false humility spirit of religion that says we are not to go up. You should be increasing in glory as you increase in the image of the one who carries all glory. You should be going up in finances. You should be... If you're on social media, you should be going up in followers. Our church should be going up in congregation members because we're discipling. And I am fighting back this notion that God does not promote. God always promotes. There is no poverty in the scriptures, but we prosper even as our soul prospers. So we got to fight against this idea of, oh, the church is getting too big. Oh, Pastor Mike's too big for his britches. Yeah, well, homie, follow me around for a week and see if you want this. 
When you take your cross, it produces a death. But when you die, it produces a resurrection. And so you will always go up if you're willing to go down. This is an irrevocable process. I want to see you all promoted. I wanna see you promoted. I wanna see you go higher. I wanna see you elevate into what God has for you. And this is not a church of competition. This is a church of celebration. This is not a church where we hold people down. It's a church where we lift people up because that is the very nature of things you see in scripture. Let's talk about who goes down. Isaiah chapter 14, verse nine. Sheol beneath is stirred up to meet you when you come. It rouses the, sh the shades to greet you. All who were leaders of the earth, it raises from the thrones all those who were kings of nations. Isaiah chapter 14, verse nine says, Sheol, the place of the dead is beneath. And it says, even kings of the earth go down below. That should speak to you. Why do they go down below? Because in life they had a version of success, but it wasn't promotion from God. See, self-promotion, promotion from man will never get you where God designed. Matter of fact, the Bible says that he'll make us rich and it adds no sorrow. Did you hear what I just said? And so self-promotion will make you rich and make you sorrowful. Self-promotion will get you elected by men, but demoted by God. Y'all, are you hearing me? Here, let me give you another one. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 24. The path of life leads upward for the prudent that he may turn away from Sheol beneath. So there's a concept of above and below. It says the path of life, it, it leads upward for those who are prudent. What does prudent mean? Wise. For those who are wise, so we must be seeking wisdom. Now let's talk about the three snares that the enemy actually lays out before you to stop your promotion from coming. There's three snares. Now what's a snare? A snare, when you go into the woods or the wilderness, anybody else addicted to those survivalist shows? I think it's so embarrassing that I'm sitting in climate-controlled environments eating my Uber Eats watching someone naked in the woods trying to survive for long. And then, and then you, you know, <laughs> my guilty pleasure is, is eating a burrito and watching them thinking, I could totally beat them in this competition. <laughs> Anybody else? You're like, yeah, I would not be whining right now like them. <laughs> and so when you watch those shows, they set out a snare. And what a snare is, is you take a cord and you actually make a loop. And then when the animal runs over it, it catches their leg and it actually, okay, listen to the revelation. It holds the animal there until the hunter comes back and kills it. So a snare is a holding place before death. Pastors don't do a good enough job of breaking down biblical narratives because you guys are hunters. You've eaten chicken nuggets. You never killed a chicken in your life. Okay, someone on the front row has security, watch her. <laughs> One of my favorite things when I first moved to New York City is in Bushwick, they have a poultry market. 
Anybody here in the city know what I'm talking about? And I was walking around one day. I was like, what is that smell? I'm like, Bushwick is on a whole nother level today. And all of a sudden I walk by and it's all live poultry. And you come in and they're like, we'll kill it for you. You can kill it yourself in the back. And I was like, I might kill something just for fun right now. I feel like it's time. I'm about to bring home so you know some real fresh meat <laughs> or bring it home alive and make Everly kill it. <laughs> Come on, is this a pet dad? No, 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 that's dinner. Go ahead, girl, ring that thing's neck. And now it's funny to us. I have some homesteaders that watch us every week that live off the land who are probably right now like these people are disgusting because they kill, they kill everything they eat. But my point is, we don't understand what a snare really is. So when a hunter lays out a snare, they're, they're putting a cord, a rope into, they're actually putting it into the woods. And then when the animal runs over it, that loop cinches up its leg. And when it cinches up its leg, it, it doesn't kill it, but it holds it until the hunter comes to kill it. So when you are in a snare, you are in a holding pattern awaiting death. So what God wants me to help you understand is that many of you, when you're not advancing, it could be because you're in a snare. Why is my life not advancing? You could be in a snare of the enemy. Whew, I feel the anointing. There's three snares that I have to lay out for you. Number one, for the note takers, the snare of offense. Satan desires nothing more than to sow the seeds of offense in your heart and catch your leg in a snare. When we allow ourselves to be offended, we become vulnerable to bitterness and resentment. I can't tell you the amount of people that got offended at me in a church of thousands because I walked in the door and didn't look at them. And they've literally sent me messages saying, I was right there and you didn't look at me. It happened last week. A woman literally wrote our church saying, I was on the floor crying and Pastor Mike didn't acknowledge me. Well, I'm sorry, honey. There were 432 people crying on the floor last week and I don't know which one you were. And if you're hoping to get my attention with tears, that's called a tantrum, not deliverance. And so if you're going to church to be seen by the pastor, then you go to a 30-person church and be codependent and toxic at that church. But if you're here to turn into an army, to be activated to do what God's called you to do, then I'm a general and I will equip you and send you off to war. But we ain't got time to bleed. So the snare of offense is silliness. Some of you can't sing in key. You need to have a rap career, not a worship career. If you can't sing in key, start rapping. Praise God. <laughs> don't, but don't be mad because we didn't put you on the worship team. Go, go get yourself a rap career. There's always a way to find for your creativity. But offense is silly. Offense is silly. And some of you have your leg in a snare. Proverbs 29, 11, or 19, 11 says, good sense makes one slow to anger and it is in his glory to overlook an offense. I had somebody write me after the Times Square event and she said, Pastor Mike, I'm, I can't, I'm just saying, I don't even care. Y'all come for me. I got, we got an armed guard here. Somebody come for me today. She literally wrote and said, Pastor Mike, I'm so disappointed at you. I watched the entire event and the Lord wanted to do so much more and you just walked off the stage. 
<laughs> I said, I cracked my knuckles before sending that email back. My assistant's in that account every once in a while. She sees my replies. She's like, Pastor Mike, I'll gladly respond for you so you don't. <laughs> but I sent this woman a message. I said, do you know how hard what I did was? It cost me my whole life to do that event. Do you know that event was $200,000? Do you know that event was approved by the mayor's office and stamped with a seal that said, don't go over nine o'clock? And by the way, I went six minutes over nine o'clock and jeopardized never being able to do an event again. By the way, did you know that I actually told everybody pray for themselves and people were doing deliverance on those streets all the way till two in the morning after it was over? But here's my point is that somebody's always gonna find a reason to let their leg get caught in the snare of offense. And it's gonna be silly. And God will be doing a miracle around them. It's like Jonah. We, Jonah is the worst example of a revivalist we ever have because he, didn't, he, he did one thing right. He, he finally, and he only did it because he got caught by God and put in the belly of a whale. So you can't even call him obedient. He got spit up on his assignment. Then while revival's happening, he's like, I still don't like all these people. <laughs> and you know how the book of, uh, the, of, the, of that Bible ends? Uh, the book of the Bible that tells that story ends? It ends with him literally still mad. <laughs> There's not even a happy ending. Revival's breaking all around him. He's like, it doesn't look like how I think revival should look. And it doesn't sound like it should sound. You know, I was in an interview last week and this person's like, well, what do you think about this person, da, 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 who, you know, is renowned in the body of Christ as being an intellectual and they talk about revival. I said, you want to know my real opinion? If they have a church of 500 in a city of 10 million and we don't need intellectual pontification about revival, we need people to do revival and have an 500 person church in a city of 10 million is not revival. Revival is us leaving the building and leading them to Christ and seeking and saving the lost. So we don't need experts. And there are people who get so wrapped up in offense. It's a snare of the enemy. We don't need experts. We need doers of the word, not hearers only. Number two snare. And you're, I'm going to tell you right before promotion, this is the stuff that starts happening. You're going to want to get offended. But then number two, you're going to want to relapse into old sins. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, it says, no temptation has overcome you that is not common to man. He is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with that temptation, he will also provide a way of escape. It's even the language of the snare. If you feel that your leg's going to get caught in a snare, did you know one of the reasons why we have such a hard time catching rats in New York City is because they film the rats using sticks setting off the traps. I mean, that's crazy. And that's a little scary. My nine-year-old, she said, in Florida, they have Mickey Mouse. In Queens, we have Ricky Mouse his hood cousin is like, I'm going to get my cheese and takes that stick and goes clap and then takes that cheese off there and says, next time use Gouda, fool. We got Ricky Mouse up in here. <laughs> There's always a way out of temptation. And some of you keep snapping the same trap 
because you like the taste of cheese. And you're willing to get snapped by the trap so that you can be tantalized by the cheese. Y'all, I'm coming for throats today. <laughs> Isn't it funny how you won't even struggle with lust for days, <laughs> weeks, months, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you'll feel this temptation to go back to lust. Isn't it funny how you'll be like, I haven't drank for years. I mean, I'm, I remember telling people, I'm not even tempted to drink anymore. I'm, I don't even feel the temptation. And then one day, probably was like a year and a half ago, all of a sudden, I was like, man, you know what I could go for right now? And then I was like, whoa, what is this? What is this? And you know what the Lord told me? I went to, I thought he was gonna say it's temptation. He said it's promotion. Oh, I'm speaking to somebody. Do you get what I'm saying? Do you get what I'm saying? Right when I went to go reach for it, right when I was thinking, oh, this is it. I'm in the Delta Sky Club and nobody knows who Pastor Mike is and it's unlimited free alcohol and all I gotta do is pour it and I'll pour it in another cup. Some of you might be drinking from that cup watching online right now. And I said, Lord, I haven't been tempted in a long time. He goes, it's promotion, not temptation. It's promotion if you don't do it. <laughs> Y'all, I'm teaching good today. I have decided <laughs> to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. <sighs> Number three, snare. The snare of false relationships. Satan will actually deploy false relationships. He'll bring a snare so that you come back into to relationships with the wrong people. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20 warns us, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, and, but the companion of fools suffers harm. You know what I love about the parallelism of this scripture? It doesn't say if you walk with the wise, you become wise. And if you walk with the fool, you become a fool. It actually says if you walk with the wise, you become wise. But if you walk with fools, you get hurt. There are some ministers with big platforms that are fools. It doesn't say walk with the viral and you'll become wise. Because there's some of you that need to unsubscribe because you're gonna end up getting an impartation of their character even though you receive their knowledge. Ask yourself, do I want that minister's marriage? If the answer is no, unsubscribe. Sometimes you've gotta look at what you're subscribed to and what content is feeding you because relationships will come to entice you. Some of you are actually chasing relationships that aren't chasing you. Did you hear what I just said? Don't call them for three weeks and you're gonna realize they never call you. Don't encourage them and you're gonna realize they never encourage you. As why would you make an investment in something that doesn't bring a return? Even your bank account, if you have a savings account, will give you a 2% return. Some of you are investing in the bank account of a relationship with zero return. Matter of fact, it's costing you. You're paying for a relationship that never benefits you. Matter of fact, these people have handed you the scissors, but you refuse to cut it off. Trying to help you, it's a snare of the enemy. Promotion feels like loneliness. Promotion feels like being misunderstood. Promotion feels like people not 
actually getting what God has given you. Promotion feels like a lack of confirmation. Promotion feels uncertain. Promotion feels like a a lack of stability. Promotion feels like these things. And and so one of the biggest indicators that you're gonna be promoted is, is that God will begin to point out these snares in front of you Psalm chapter 119, 105 declares, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So God gives you a lamp, but Satan gives gives you a snare. But let me just tell you about a lamp. God gives you a lamp, it's his word, but the devil gives you a snare. So what what is a foot lamp? I'll tell you what it's not, it's not a floodlight. A floodlight shows you everything in the distance. A footlight, a foot lamp only shows you the next step. Pastor Mike, I want to know what's going to happen next year, five years from now, 10 years. God's not going to give you a plan. He gives you a person called the Holy Spirit. Because if you had the plan, you wouldn't need the person. And so some of you, if God gave you, here's what's going to happen for the next five years, you would take that from God and abandon God. And so what God's actually doing is orchestrating a situation where you learn not to lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him and lean on him. He's giving you a relationship. The devil wants to give you things, but he wants to give you him. The devil wants to give you money, but he wants to prosper your soul so that your bank account prospers and you don't lose it all there's a sustainability to this promotion is there anybody who would rise up right now and say god i'm ready for promotion because i'm ready to resist temptation is there anybody who's going to slap down all the temptations the enemy's sending and say i'm not going back to that filth i'm not going back to that bondage i'm not going back to that relationship and by the way you can keep your opinion i want jesus and I want to be conformed to the image of my maker. I want to be more like him. Let me tell you this. Just like a train, the engine of the train is obedience. The caboose is the blessing. Trains have carts that are connected and every cart that's connected to that train represents another act of radical obedience. Blessing is the last card on the train. And what'll happen is you'll be obedient for so many seasons that you'll say, God, when's it gonna come? You'll be obedient for so many seasons. You'll say, God, when am I finally gonna see it? It's gonna take a long time sometimes. It took Joseph 17 years of his life I don't know how long it's gonna take you. It took Moses 40 years of his life. I don't know how long it's gonna take you. It took Sarah 90 years of her life. I don't know how long it's gonna take you. But everybody says, oh, I'm just in a waiting season. No, you are in a disobedience season. And when you become obedient, and then you begin to pick momentum up, one thing, you know, I sent my team a picture. We should load that for the subsequent sermons. I showed myself a picture of my arms open wide like this. And it's for th- from three years ago with 200 people in front of me. And then I sent the same picture like this with all of Times Square in front of me. And it's not about me. It's about obedience. 
And see, the thing about it is anybody who knows me, my wife and I were saying this, I, when I was a youth pastor, I started a youth revival and I thought it was the most amazing thing ever. Kids were getting saved. They were giving up all, at the time it was tobacco. There was no such thing as vapes. And all the stuff that's happening now, I was doing it then. Our youth group actually became bigger than the adults. So look around at your campuses and imagine there being more teenagers than adults. That's what it was like when me and Julie were youth pastors. And we thought we were killing it. And we got in trouble and got rebuked for starting revival. Then my mom and I started casting demons out of everybody. And everybody's saying, I feel so free, this is amazing. And we got in trouble for doing deliverance. And all these years later, everybody who knows us says, actually, they're not doing anything different than they've been doing for 20 years straight. Why do I say that? Radical obedience is the engine. Every cart on that train is another act of obedience and blessing is the caboose. Blessing is at the back of the train and you have to be obedient, sustained for a long period of time. And when you do that, eventually you'll end up in front of Times Square completely packed out and it won't be because you're doing something new. It'll be because you are faithful to what God told you in the beginning. And so I don't know who I came to tell this to right now, but God told you something something God put it in your heart and you're not going to surrender to the temptation of false relationships you're not going to surrender to the temptation of sexual perversion or addiction to alcohol and drugs and you're not going to succumb to the spirit of offense you are going to be faithful until it birthed itself in the natural realm so forgive everybody all the time I forgive you I forgive you here's your cup of coffee I bless you bless everybody until God blesses you forgive everybody because God forgave you and don't be bitter God's about to promote you to make you better rise up church rise up come on let me have the prayer team at every location right now I'm only four minutes and 45 seconds over after the countdown not starting for 10 minutes. You see how beautiful that is? <laughs> but here's what I want to do. If you're feeling temptation and you're like, I need to get out of this. What's the temptation? Temptation to gossip. Temptation to slander. Temptation to talk about somebody else. You know why people do that? To remove the focus on themselves. So if there's something in you that needs to be dealt with, I want you to receive prayer in a few moments. If you've been struggling, maybe you have gone back. Maybe you're like, Pastor Mike, I need endurance. We're getting ready to pray. But can I pray over the entire church right now? Is there anybody here across all the locations that needs to start by saying the engine, the first decision I need to make is a decision to accept Jesus as my Savior and confess Him as Lord? If that's you, would you just lift your hand at any location? If you're like, I need to accept Jesus, I need to make the decision. I see this young person just lifted their hand. Praise God. There's more from Miami to Indiana to the different campuses. We're going to pray all together as they accept Christ. And then I'm going to open the altars if you want to come forward to the front and receive prayer. And next week's going to be part two. Before we pray, how many of you are going to flood the movie theaters tomorrow? And we are going to stake our claim for Domino Revival round two. Did you guys know that almost a half a million people have clicked the link? 
for tomorrow night. I don't know what's about to happen. And so we are in expectation for tomorrow. So let's all pray. Say this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I confess my sins. Forgive me. Wash me with your blood. Make me new. I surrender my life, my choices, my decision to serve you. I belong to you all the days of my life. I thank you for the cross. I will be your disciple. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's shout for those who just accepted Christ here in the room. The altar is open. Come on, let's worship. No spirit, but the Holy Spirit.